Hello, BYWG Tribe. This is Dr. Noah. Here is a quick peek at our supplement, product, and book of the month for May 2020. At the end of the podcast, I'll spend a few minutes going into further detail, so we encourage you to listen to the end. The supplement of the month for May is our Deep Sleep Assist. The 10% discount code for the month of May is SLEEP10. That's all lowercase. It's case-sensitive. It's S-L-E-E-P-10. Our book of the month is High Fiber Keto, a 22-day science-based plan to fix your metabolism, lose weight, and balance your hormones. Our product, Company of the Month, is Pretty Frank, formerly called Primal Pit Paste. 100% natural ingredients, zero cosmetic BS. All the links, discount codes, and special offers for the product, supplement, and book will be listed in the show notes and iTunes, posted on social media, in our weekly newsletter, and on our website at www.beyondyourwildestgenes.com at the Listen Now tab. Thanks for listening. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Beyond Your Wildest Genes podcast. Today, you're with Dr. Wandalee McPhee hosting, and my special guest today is Dr. Jenny Ann Freeman. She's a medical doctor and health writer who has joined us this week to talk about her new book, The Seeds Plant. This is the most current comprehensive resource of everything worth knowing about Alzheimer's prevention and early stage reversal. Everything that's known right now with overwhelming scientific evidence. So it's an opportunity to find out what's really working, how this works in the real world, how you can maybe add some of these important clues uh, to brain health into your life as well. So today, um, some of you may recognize Dr. Freeman. Dr. Jenny Ann's been with me before. We talked about her company, Ubro and Turmeric, the last time that she was on. Uh, some of you may be new to listening to Dr. Jenny and I chat, so I'm going to get her to start a little bit about, you know, how she found her way here. She's a gynecologist by training, and now we're talking about lifelong brain health. Where is the link there? So, uh, Wandalee, thanks for having me. Um, the link really came out of a personal need. It was really me, the daughter, rather than me, the doctor, who first became interested in lifelong brain health. And that's because my mom was diagnosed with Alzheimer's disease when she was in her 60s. And I unfortunately got to watch her go downhill over a 10-year course, which was truly awful. And so she was the inspiration. Ever since her diagnosis, I started reading everything that I could get my hands on about brain health and healthy longevity. Because as you know, um, Alzheimer's is highly familial. Having a mom with Alzheimer's puts me at twice the risk of the average individual for myself getting Alzheimer's. So that was a great incentive. And I learned that there's a huge amount of information out there. It's just not very organized. So you'll read, oh, eat blueberries or get enough sleep or reduce your stress. But the question is, how does all of that help and how do I put all of this information together in a useful way? So about three years ago, I replaced my gynecology hat with my generic doctor hat, and that allowed me to really apply a very critical eye to the scientific literature. And that's when I really began ramping up my study of healthy longevity. And what I was looking for was a unified theory that made logical sense to me as to why all of these diverse strategies might be helpful. 
And then I needed a practical program that was based in science that put it all together and could be followed relatively easily. So my goal was just understanding everything that's known right now about optimizing the brain and organizing it in a useful way. And that's how the SEEDS plan came about. I think that's amazing because that is certainly the challenge that we hear um, both from other colleagues and other health professionals as well as the public is that there's so much information out there but nobody's bringing this together in a way that that makes sense and that that follows some of those scientific principles and gives us a, a map that we can actually apply these great ideas to following so that's what we're going to talk about today with the seeds plan and you know around this whole idea of brain health it seems like there's more and more people who are experiencing some version of that or another. I mean, it doesn't have to be all the way into an Alzheimer's diagnosis. The, the complaints that I hear in my office around brain fog or difficulty focusing or concentrating, it, it seems to be increasing. What's going on, do you think? Well, you're absolutely right about that. Overall, more and more people of all ages are experiencing some level of cognitive impairment. And I think that's in part related to the fact that lifestyle diseases are actually skyrocketing in the general population. So the kind of disorders that we're talking about involve insulin resistance, whether it's a form of diabetes, obesity, or polycystic ovary disease, or metabolic syndrome. It also includes all of the autoimmune diseases, such as Hashimoto's and fibromyalgia, and then there are many chronic infectious diseases, such as Lyme. So all of these conditions are inflammatory, and they all involve some degree of neuroinflammation, which is inflammation of the brain. And it turns out that cognitive impairment is actually a spectrum disorder. And as you said, uh, Alzheimer's disease is at one end of the spectrum, but all of the other things that are going on, such as brain fog, fibro fog, chemo brain, they all share similar brain pathologies with Alzheimer's. They're just on a different part of the spectrum. So we're seeing so much of this in the general public because there are so much, there are so many of these inflammatory conditions commonly in the general public. Well, and that sort of makes sense then if we're looking at something on a spectrum and you're moving from left to right along that timeline, there may be ways that we can either slow or stop the progress from those early stages of that spectrum up into those later stages. And I guess that's really where the SEEDS plan comes in. Absolutely. The, you know, as a physician, it only makes a difference if what we're recommending makes a difference. So I really needed to come up with something practical that I could use and I could share for people that may be already someplace on the spectrum and don't want to keep going. So that really is what the SEEDS plan was, was geared toward. So I'm sure everyone's thinking in their mind, okay, they keep saying this seeds word. What what does that mean? What is the theory? What is seeds? So um, seeds is a comprehensive lifestyle program that actually leverages five behaviors that have been identified as being absolutely essential for life, lifelong brain health. And those five pillars, the, the word SEEDS is actually an acronym. Um, the five pillars of brain optimization have to involve sleep, eat, exercise, 
domain, which is my word for the environment, and social. And so the actual seeds plan itself has two parts. The first part is that I outline a plan for assessing baseline health and mental function and the risk of cognitive decline because you need to know what's going on so that you can plan your fix. And then the second part of the plan is uh, it, uh, it allows each individual to customize strategies that I, that I outline into a very practical a practical and very workable program that will prevent slow and even reverse brain dysfunction if it's early. And I want to make an important point that the beauty of the plan is that there are many different ways to skin the cat. So it's not a one size fits all because each of us are living very different lifestyles. So this plan allows an individual to pick and choose from the many options um, both within what they're being assessed for, because not every test is going to be necessary for every individual, and then how they plan to protect their brain, um, many different lifestyle measures so a person can personalize their plan. Um, as far as the theory behind it, I'll just briefly mention that SEEDS is based on a branch of biology, which is called evolutionary medicine, and that frames illness as the result of our interaction between our genes and our environment. And so our genes, it turns out, are uniquely adapted to conditions that humans lived in for the last two million years in the paleo, and they have not had time to catch up to modern life. So all of us are actually African hunter-gatherers in our gene pool, and we're living in this modern world, and our genes are just not knowing what to do with this modern world. So it's a fairly easy fix, you know, if you can adopt a lifestyle that reasonably mimics conditions that existed in the paleo, you are going to avoid all of the common lifestyle illnesses of modern life. And of course, Alzheimer's and cognitive decline is just one of those. Yes, absolutely. So when we're talking about cognitive decline, there's a, a stage process that you go through. Where is it where SEEDS makes the most difference? So there are actually um, six stages of cognitive decline. They go from zero, one, two, three, four, five. And SEEDS can actually make a difference, a real meaningful difference in the first four stages. And the reason for that is that in the first four stages, the disease, whatever level of cognitive decline that's going on, is actually confined to a part of the brain which is called the hippocampus. And that is the one part of the brain that's plastic, which means that it can repair. By the time a person is in the advanced stages four and five, which we actually call moderate and severe Alzheimer's disease, the disease has left the hippocampus and has involved other parts of the brain that no longer that are not plastic and cannot repair. So at that point, it's irreversible. I actually want to point out stage zero to your listeners. This is super important. So stage zero is called uh, preclinical Alzheimer's disease. And basically, it's a stage in which mental function is normal, but the brain already is showing signs of deterioration if tested. For example, if an MRI was done, um, one could be seen to have brain shrinkage or accumulation of toxic proteins. Now, in this phase, individuals have no idea that something is wrong. It can actually go on for decades. It's kind of silent. I kind of use the analogy, a person who doesn't know they have hypertension might feel fine and then one day have a stroke. And that's because what was going on be 
you know, behind the scenes was not diagnosed. So I want to mention that this year, in 2018, researchers have estimated that 50 million Americans over the age of 30 already have stage zero or preclinical Alzheimer's disease. And they have also concluded that it, the condition is so pervasive that it's one of the best rationales for prevention. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, you know, that's probably got people thinking right now, well, how do I know? How do I know if I'm a stage zero? Is there any particular tests that people can do on their own at home? Uh, well, there are. I don't know that you would know you were stage zero because that would um, entail MRIs and these are not these are not routine tests. But if a person is having uh, some sort of a concern that uh, there may be some cognitive decline and they just want to do something at home to help themselves out with a little bit of testing before they consult the doctor. There certainly is. And um, by the way, if per, well, the test that I'm talking about is called the SAGE test. It's a self-administered um, home test that takes about, I would say, maybe 10 or so minutes, although there's no time limit to the test. And um, it's a pretty much a one-page test, and uh, you get a score, you score it yourself, and the score puts you either in normal or mild cognitive decline, or obviously dementia, but I think your listeners would not be at that level. So if the test detects any kind of cognitive decline, you A, have the opportunity to partner with your healthcare provider to look into you know, more diagnostic testing more deeply, and you also have a wonderful opportunity to start your lifestyle measures to seriously address this. And the test exists in different versions. So if you take a test and you find there's a problem and you institute some measures and then you want to retest in three or six months, you can actually take a different test. I want to mention that on my website, which is www.theseedsplan.com, I have the test available. Again, it's called the SAGE, S-A-G-E, test. You go to the website, you, there's a resource link, you click on the link, you can download the test and take it, and I also have the um, answer key, you know, how to score the test, and that is a great do-it-yourself uh, test to kind of either reassure yourself um, or let you know that maybe you want to do a deeper dive. That's great. And uh, in part three of the book, you also talk about some tests that your medical doctor could do that could help diagnose a loss of mental function. And there's a lot of them there. So we don't have to go through every one. But is there a couple that you would highly recommend if people are concerned? Yes. So again, all the tests that are listed, um, as the person goes through those in the book, they will not... None of, uh, not all of the tests will be rele relevant to each individual. So one would end up kind of creating their own menu of what needs to be tested. But one test that I would recommend for everyone, which is not a routine test, is a vitamin B12 test. And uh, the reason for that is that vitamin B12 is a highly reversible cause of cognitive decline. So I'll tell you a personal story. I, of course, because I live the seeds plan, um, at the initiation of this whole thing, picked out which tests I thought were rel relevant to myself, and I had my B12 tested, and it turned out that my number was about 350, which is within the norm um, for United States laboratories. However, my reading told me that although they consider that to be normal, that level 
can be associated with cognitive decline. So I fixed it. I ended up uh, adding to my daily regimen a vitamin B12 spray and, of course, retested myself and I'm well in the optimal range now. So um, even if you think you're fine, <laughs> it is very possible to have uh, abnormal or less than optimal levels, and it's very worthwhile to take tests for which you can make a difference. I'll mention a couple of others really quickly. There's a test for ferritin, which is a test for stored iron. If your ferritin level is elevated, that is definitely associated with cognitive decline. And that too has an easy fix, which is actually lovely. You can donate blood. And when you donate blood, you lower your blood iron level and your iron stores. And you also are helping your fellow man. So it's kind of a a double wonderful thing to do both for yourself and for others. So those are two that I think are very worthwhile. There are for, for everyone, there are many more listed in the book. And as I said, each person's going to have to um, kind of figure out which ones are relevant to them. By that, I mean, for example, if you don't have any stomach trouble, you don't need to take a test for bacteria that cause stomach trouble because it's simply not relevant to you. Um, and it's, it's fairly obvious from the book what you might, what might be useful to any individual and what might not be necessary. Perfect. So, you know, we talked a little bit about the B12 there. What is your view on vitamins and supplements to combat cognitive impairment? So um, overall, I can't stress enough that the strongest health benefits always stem from real food and that isolated nutrients as a rule don't offer the benefits of um, nutrients that are part of a balanced dietary pattern. However, on the other hand, to be realistic, diet often does not meet the need. So um, I suggest using good quality vitamins and supplements as a method to fill in dietary gaps, but not as a method uh, or a prime source of nutrients. Now, in the book, I actually recommend seven supplements for daily use. These are things that are not reliably sourced in the diet and are really important for brain health. And I can quickly just mention their vitamin D, magnesium, whole turmeric, ubiquinol, which is a form of CoQ10, PQQ, which is another antioxidant, microdoses of lithium, and CBD oil. These are seven things that you really cannot get, and they, have all, they all have very strong scientific validation for benefits to brain health. Great. And those are, are you know, one thing you did tap into is, is high-quality supplements. And, you know, just as a, as a personal comment, um, not all supplements are created equal. So, Hopefully, when people are exploring their options, they do a little bit of digging into into the companies and the individuals who are maybe behind some of those supplements and make sure that they're tested and the quality is what you believe that you're buying. Right. Um, and actually, in, in the book, The Seeds Plan, I go through how you can try to figure out um, how a way to make sure that you're actually taking quality supplements. There is a lot of snake oil out there and it does require some work on the part of the individual to dig out, you know, what's going to be really good for them. Absolutely. One thing you talk about in the book as, as one of the other pillars is, is domain, the environment. Um, that we know that the air we breathe, the water we drink, some of the food we eat may not be what it used to be. Um, and we can't 
move from this planet. So what are what can we do that could make a difference in our domain? So domain is actually one of the pillars that there is an enormous amount of room for improvement. And you did point out two of the utterly important factors, which are water quality and air quality. I'd add one more. We are all living completely immersed in electrosmog. So, uh, you know, from the cell phones and the, and the power lines and all of the um, kind of electronics that we're using. So those, for me, are three areas that can really be impacted fairly easily and make a major difference. So as far as the water is concerned, I'll mention that bottled water and unfiltered tap water are literally not optimized for brain health and they're not brain friendly. Uh, generally, public water is failing most standards for water safety and quality. And the bottled water not only is not better than that, it's actually generally bottled in plastic, which leaches into the water uh, so we're consuming hazardous chemicals while we're drinking our bottled water. So that's an area. And then as far as air pollution, air pollution has been known to be bad for your lungs and bad for your heart. And it's only more recently that it's become absolutely clear that air pollution is toxic to the brain. And it turns out that people spend most of their time indoors. So that's the place, whether it's at work or at home, where you can really make a difference in your air quality. Um, as far as some measures that your listeners can, can quickly do uh, for water, you've got to filter your water. Um, that may either be you can get a great desktop filter, you can reverse osmosis filter your water, but you've got to filter your water. And when you're out and about, you need to take your water with you bottled in glass. As far as air pollution, again, indoor is really the bigger problem because that's where we spend most of our time. You can easily install um, a really good air filter with, you know, which has a HEPA filter. And if you'd like to do some air filtration naturally, uh, their big leaf plants are fantastic for filtering the air. I just um, outfitted my son's apartment in San Francisco with peace lilies in addition to his HEPA filter because they just are, you know, they're wonderful to have at home and they work really well. And then finally, for the electrosmog pollution, I mean, realistically, we're not going to throw out our cell phones, but you can really try to minimize your contact with them and not kind of live on your electronics. And uh, there is a wealth, you know, most of the information on cell phones is being focused on do cell phones cause brain cancer or not. But there is actually a wealth of information on the brain damage that's done um, through exposure to um, cell phone, which is a form of um, long-term microwave exposure. It is actually damaging to the brain and impairs cognitive function. So those are just three areas that people can make an absolutely immediate difference in their lives and their brain health. <laughs> That's great. Those are something any one of us can do anywhere in the world. So those are, are really straightforward and simple um, things that, that we can take away from today. You also talk about in the book, and, and I personally love this, it resonates with my thinking as well. You talk about normal aging versus natural aging. Could you just share a little bit more about that with us? Yes, this is something that uh, kind of like bugs me because we're generally told that it's normal as we age to you know, develop cognitive decline and, and Alzheimer's. And the difference between normal and natural is really an important distinction. So something 
that's normal is actually a statistical representation of a given behavior and its consequences. So for example, if you are one of the four people who lives in Papua New Guinea, ritual cannibalism is normal because that's a behavior that normally goes on there. If you're in America or in one of the Canada or one of the Western countries, that's a crime. So something that's normal is not is is simply something that is statistically represented in a group. So likewise, when you look at Alzheimer's disease or cognitive decline, uh, those conditions are normal for people who live in the modern kind of post-industrial lifestyle, but it's com they are completely abnormal in the context of millions of years of human history. And even to this day, cognitive decline and Alzheimer's are actually abnormal in groups that are living more of a uh, lifestyle that kind of arises from our evolutionary heritage. So uh, I really want to make the point that longevity and healthy brain aging are normal under natural conditions. We are not living under natural conditions with our polluted world and our polluted food and we're all sleep deprived and just all of the other normal conditions of modern life are completely unnatural. And so if you can kind of bring yourself back to um, more of evolutionary conditions, which are really not hard to do, you can enjoy longevity and healthy brain aging. I think that's so important. People will, you know, in, in taking someone's history, will talk about, you know, say, do you have headaches? Oh, they just have normal headaches. You know, once a week is a normal headache. But but that's actually not normal. It is It is average. It's become typical. But that's not how we're supposed to live. So I, I love the idea of opening people's brains to the thought that just because a lot of people act that way or age that way, they don't have to choose necessarily to go down that path. So, uh, so that's very inspiring. And you mentioned in the book that you yourself actually live the SEEDS plan. You follow these five key pillars, these sleep, eat, exercise, domain, and social yourself. It may seem a little bit overwhelming for someone who's just starting to think about this. Um, maybe share a little bit about your experience and, and how that actually works on a daily basis. Yes. Yeah, so, um, at this point in life, because I basically have been living this plan, um, you know, for about two years, uh, it's very second nature. And as crazy as it might sound, I actually enjoy and prefer it to the way I lived before, which I think was reasonably healthy, but I think this is far more healthy. So for your listeners, I want to say so strongly, please don't make perfect the enemy of good. There is an enormous amount of information. It does get overwhelming, but you just have to start someplace. So I kind of had it easy because I was learning as I went. And so I was able to add on things as I went. I want to mention my absolute favorite part of living the seeds plan, which um, you you have uh, helped your listeners with um, in your podcast, and that's intermittent fasting, which you have some great um, podcasts around. So I do intermittent fasting, which is a strategy that is very neuroprotective. And I do a version of intermittent fasting, which is called time-restricted eating. And so when I began this plan, 
I started out on what was called a 12-12 program. So I confined my eating to 12 hours a day, and then I fasted or didn't eat for 12 hours a day. And if you think about it, that's not really that hard to do. You finish dinner at 8, and you don't have the next amount of food until 8 in the morning, and there's your 12 hours. It's fairly easy to do. Um, I, over time, gradually moved that up. So right now I do, and I'm planning on staying on, what's called a 16-8 program. So I actually fast for 16 hours every day, and I eat during an eight-hour window. And that might sound horrifying to people. It's incredibly easy to do because what you do is you take the seven or eight hours of sleep that you've had, and you just extend them basically by skipping breakfast and really not eating until around lunchtime. And the reason it's so easy to do this is that during the fast you can eat, you can consume uh, zero calorie drinks. And so I happen to be a black coffee lover. So I have a pretty big pot of organic black coffee um, with me in the morning while I'm doing work and fasting. And it's very easy. So I would recommend that um, to anyone who wants to start, start with the 12-12 program, very easy to do. Uh, so as far as all the other strategies, um, I'm there. I do all, I do, for example, a mix of exercise, which includes physical exercise, sauna, and grounding. That's a, uh, something I talk about in the book, which is an exercise version being barefoot. And it works as an antioxidant. As far as sleep, there are a huge amount of um, sleep hygiene tips, things that help you fall asleep. One thing I've done is I've completely banned blue electronic technology from the bedroom. There's none in there, so I sleep in a pitch dark room, which is really helpful. Um, my domain is very cleared out. I've gotten all the plastic out of my home. My home has got air filter, water filter, loads of plants and the final part of the program social you know you got to have friends and you got to do things with those friends and it's it's fun to do and please don't count your 4,000 friends on Facebook as friends because they're really not yeah it's uh, I think that's uh, an interesting change and it will be a, an interesting thing to to see as we look at that evidence over the next number of years that just in watching my own kids and and teenagers as they they experience life so differently socially than than previous generations. Yes. Yeah. So maybe we can go back to the future and, and get back to a little bit more of the FaceTime friendships that we used to have as opposed to the electronic friendships that we have now. Absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, I, I love your, your take on intermittent fasting. That's how I started too, was, was probably 12 to 14. I'm a 15 to 17 hour a day fast and I eat during the rest. And quite honestly, things like hypoglycemia and and different symptoms that would have I would have thought would preclude me from being a faster are completely gone since intermittent fasting. So it is if it offers any encouragement for anyone else there, it is quite possible to to eat during that narrow window and feel completely healthy and energized and clear and mentally focused um, while doing so. So thanks for that. Now, one last thing, because we're getting close on time here, we're almost at a half an hour. And um, at the end of the book, you do talk about what you just talked about now, how you should start slow and, and build up because it can be overwhelming. And 
we don't want people to put so much on that initial platter that they just give up and don't do any of it. So we talked about fasting as one thing that they could do right away. What's any other things that people could institute kind of immediately after listening to us and being inspired by doing something about their mental and, and cognitive decline? Yeah, so at the very end of the seeds plan, I actually say here are two or three things in each of the five pillars that you could start with. And they're pretty easy to do. I believe I mentioned a few of them in terms of what I've done. But to quickly go through them for sleep, get those electronics out of your bedroom and black out the bedroom. Um, another tip would be to go through your medications because a number of them are sleep disrupting and you might be able to find a substitute, which isn't. I actually have a list in the book of sleep disrupting medications. So that's a quick strategy. As far as eat, I totally cannot stress that the 12-12 intermittent fasting is just amazing for brain health. And then additionally, um, one should consider taking those seven daily recommended brain-friendly supplements that I mentioned earlier. Um, in terms of exercise, sauna is such a kind of quick fix for exercise for people that can't get out you know every day into the great outdoors where some time should be spent exercising um if you can do 30 minutes of sauna three times a week uh sauna it turns out is the equivalent of moderate intensity exercise that is very neuroprotective so it's a great way to mix and match your exercise regimen um, as far as domain, everyone please filter your water and air and get rid of all the plastic in your home. That's just so easy to do and so important. And then finally for social, you know, every everyone has different ways they enjoy interacting, but I think a group card game every week, some volunteering, something that gets you out of the house and with other people and feeling like you make a difference really does make a difference to your own brain health. It's interesting you mentioned that. I was taking a neurology course last fall and, and they spoke quite a bit about some of the more recent research around volunteering and what an amazing uh, benefit that has for brain health and neurological uh, protection. So how, how great to be able to help yourself and help others at the same time, uh, building that sense of community and, and contribution. So Anything else that you'd like to leave our listeners with, Dr. Jenny? I think um, we've had a really great conversation about this. I, I know I can think of a few people that I'm certainly going to suggest the Seeds Plan book to, and I'm sure other listeners are thinking the same thing. Anything that you want to leave them with um, to inspire them as they go forward? I actually want to say um, two things. So the first one I've already mentioned, but um, your listeners have an amazing resource in your various podcasts, which have actually covered many areas and strategies that fit with the SEEDS plan. And so um, in addition to reading the book, which I do think will be very helpful for many, um, I suggest that your listeners go through your podcast list because you have great resources there that will help them build a personalized program for brain health. That was the first thing. The, the real final take-home message I'd like to leave with everyone is do not for one minute believe that Alzheimer's disease is an inevitable a uh, outcome of aging. It's not, and you can make a difference in your own future. I love that. Uh, so thanks Dr. Jenny Ann Freeman for being part of Beyond Your Wildest Genes today. Uh, there will be links in the show notes as well as on our website to Dr. Jenny's 
website to Amazon to to gather up the book to to learn more and to listen more. And uh, we really appreciate your time today, Jenny, and sharing this with our listeners. Thank you. It's fun being here. And thanks to everybody for listening. Um, Please feel free to share this podcast with someone if you think they may find it helpful. Uh, We do appreciate all you've done to help build this community and build the momentum that is creating better health and well-being worldwide. We are are approaching almost within a hair the million listener mark, and it has been just wonderful to hear back from so many of you with what you like and what podcasts did to change how you behave or how you think or how you live and of course in in our mind changing the future of the world as well so thanks for your help in doing that as always there's no cost to listening to the podcast check it out on the website www.beyondyourwildestgenes we have other resources there as well or send people to itunes or youtube to hear us um, in the the greater web as well so thanks for joining us until next time I hope you enjoy what you've heard and even more importantly, take what you've heard today and and make a change because information is only as good as what we do with it. So thanks very much to Dr. Jenny Freeman and we'll talk again soon. It's Dr. Noah and I'm back. I suspect you loved listening to this week's podcast release. Our book of the month is High Fiber Keto, a 22-day science-based plan to fix your metabolism Lose Weight and Balance Your Hormones by Naomi Wittell. You can listen to my interview with Naomi at the Beyond Your Wildest Genes podcast archives date April 20th, 2020, just a few weeks ago. The link to purchase will be in all our emails, social media, and in the show notes. Our product of the month is Pretty Frank, formerly called Primal Pit Paste. Pretty Frank is committed to making safe, high-quality, and earth-friendly products without compromise. Their line consists of deodorant, body care, oral care, and skin care products. One of their taglines is 100% natural ingredients, zero BS. No aluminum, no parabens, no harsh chemicals. Very timely, they just released a brand new hand purifier as well, scented with eucalyptus and lavender essential oils. Our supplement of the month is BYWG's Deep Sleep Assist. Deep Sleep Assist is a specialized combination of scientifically backed herbs, minerals, adaptogens, and amino acids that help you get to sleep, stay asleep, and achieve deeper levels of sleep so you wake rested and renewed. The May 4th podcast release will be a deeper dive into this unique effective sleep aid. The 10% discount code for the month of May is SLEEP10. That's lowercase S-L-E-E-P-10 whether you order online or pick up at the office. If you have any questions or comments, please never hesitate to reach out to us. Thank you for your time and be awesome and never unawesome.